This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, November 20th, and this is, of course, your daily financial news. Most days, this is the first video I do for you today. We do these live. If you like getting your financial news in 10 to 12-minute clips every day, meaning Saturday and Sunday, holidays, birthdays included, do me a favor, hit the subscription button, hit notification, give me a thumbs up early. Graham Stefan says that's important, so thumbs up are always appreciated. But again, remember, if you do subscribe to my channel, One Rental at a Time, I create three to five pieces of original content each and every day for you. I believe real estate investing, being a good buy and hold investor, is a skill. I believe it is a skill that you can learn in 10 to 20 minutes a day, but it takes consistent execution. That is what we did with One Rental at a Time. For us, it was a 15-year journey. For you, I am sure it can be shorter. But again, this is the daily financial news, so let's get started. First and foremost, if you haven't seen, California has not only gone on a lockdown, but now we have a curfew. This particular thing bothered me so much that I actually created a live stream before this video. So instead of going into those details, my displeasure with trying to legislate good behavior in a crisis, I will simply say, see previous video. It's about eight minutes long. I share all of my thoughts in that video. Getting on to the market moving news, stuff that impacts you and I, did you see the existing home sales? Again, this is just more proof, more evidence that the U.S., even with a rough, dark winter will not have a housing crash in 2021. Note, I am specifically talking about 2021. My crystal ball doesn't look out much further than that. Uh, there's, there's just so many calls for a crash next year. I feel like I have to shout into the wind for people to realize it is not going to happen. What did we see in October? Again, just reported yesterday. We saw a month-on-month rise in activity of 4.3%. That's a month-on-month rise. Annualized, year-on-year, 26.6% increase. Those are impressive numbers. But when you realize those numbers are on the back of record low inventory, it is even more impressive. Inventory, available homes for sale, 1.42 million. I don't know, sounds like a lot, Uh, but when you realize that is 19.8% below last year, you've got to appreciate the firepower, the demand, the sheer interest in owning single-family homes. It's not going to slow down, and we are now sitting at 2.5 months supply nationally. I did a video probably three weeks ago talking about the 15 hottest markets. I think if I recall, Boise, Idaho was number one. 
most of those 15 markets were under a month's supply. Fresno, I did a video last week. It was at a month's supply, right on the nose. Folks, you can't have a housing crash when demand outpaces supply like that. This is not stocks. This is not day trading. This is not Bitcoin. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. So the median price up $313,000 again nationally. That's a 15.5% increase year on year. It's just, it's not going to happen. People are calling for a 30 or 40% drop next year are either A, lying and they know it because they want you to click on crash videos because negativity sells these days, tragic. Two, are so new in the business, they're looking at historical numbers pointing at charts and saying, ooh, look, we're at the same price or same peak as 08. Or they're just idiots. They can choose their, I don't care which one. It's one of those three. Again, this is about payments, not price. This is about demand. This is about an entire generation that was once thought to be renters for life becoming owners. Millennials are becoming owners. The urban flight is real. Folks, we are probably going to go from a 67% owner ownership rate to 70. And oh, by the way, we will do that on the back of good loans, high credit scores, real down payments. Ah, just no crash, just not possible. Happy to debate any of these people that are out there. Next up, uh, lots of stuff going on with the Treasury today. So the Treasury, which if if Biden is in office in January, will change. So it looks like Mnuchin is pulling back on programs. Now, the headline was scary. When I read the headline, I'm like, oh, my God. Now the Treasury is getting political? What is going on? But when you drill down into what they've done, it's not quite as bad as I feared. They're essentially doing things that I wish they didn't do in the beginning. They're going to stop buying corporate bonds. I think that's good. Corporations, the big were already big. They could already raise debt. So the fact that they're not going to buy any more corporate bonds, I'm okay with that. Next, loans to state and local governments. Hot topic, political issue, understood. And then there's the Main Street Lending. This is a program I had high hopes for when it started but it really never got off the ground. There's been a fraction, like a small fraction of actual loans to small and medium business. It's harder than people perceived it to be. So closing down a program that never got legs kind of makes sense. Basically, what I think Mnuchin is doing is he's trying to set up the plate for an easy transition, right? The less programs that are in force at transition, if there is one, the less explaining he has to do and he can go right off into the sunset. So the headline freaked me out. Treasury pulls back feds, blah, blah, blah. Well, that headline was scary, freaked me out. I was, I was literally, I remember going, oh my God, when I read it. But it's not as bad as I, I thought. Next up, Mnuchin, still being that good soldier, he is now talking about working with the Republican Senate to try to craft a skinny bill. Uh, it is clear that his 
negotiation partner Nancy Pelosi wants all or nothing. So Mnuchin's going, nope, that's not going anywhere. He's going to go work with the Senate Republicans and say, okay, guys, what do you want? What can we do? And I believe probably early December, he'll come out with something somewhere between four, maybe 700 billion. And he's going to bring it to Nancy and go, hey, yes or no. Then we'll, then we'll have something or we won't. Uh, again, I'm on record. The only thing that gets done is a skinny deal. This all or nothing is not going to work. Uh, the Georgia runoffs are important. Uh, if they go uh, blue or Democratic, we could see the blue wave we all feared, or at least I feared. Um, if we get one of those, if the Republicans get one or both, uh, a skinny deal is the only option. There's not a big take for a multi-trillion dollar investment. Uh, a couple more things on the radar. It looks like China is actually letting state-owned businesses default. Now, again, this was an article that surprised me. When I think Chinese state-owned entities, I think can't fail. Government support. Even a bad business, if it's China-owned uh, or run, will limp along. They're actually making good business decisions. And this is new. Uh, they have now let bond defaults in Chinese-backed companies rise, and they're not bailing them out. This is because China realized they are over-leveraged. They, they have bad debt, and they're actually cleaning it up. Again, I, I see this as good news, not bad. Uh, again, this is something we in the U.S. will have to go through. There are plenty of loans, including bonds, out there that are going to go under. And that's just part of the process. So I was, um, yeah, surprised to read that China is letting state-owned businesses default. Uh, again, letting the weak hands go is a part of a functioning business environment. It's actually a better use of capital to let the weak hands go so you can support the strong hands. So I was impressed by that and surprised. Don't know if I said this earlier, but I read that Robinhood's looking to go public next year. Makes tons of sense. Uh, right on the backs of Uber and others that we've talked about recently. Looks like Robinhood's another one. Uh, and then lastly, I don't know if you saw this, but CNBC Make It, I think, did an article on one of our favorite YouTube entertainers talking about the $6 million couple and how they live in Southern California. I have not watched the video. Not that title I could never do that I could never do that it's so look at me showy so I'm wondering am I just the oddball does that leave a poor taste in your mouth when you see that or does it maybe inspire you you know heck I think he's 30 maybe it inspires you to do big things and think big so maybe I'm just the old fart in the room and I'm wrong but I'd love to hear from you, right? When you see that, how do you live on $6 million a year? I'm just left with a horrible taste in my mouth. Look at me, showy, showy. Oh, but again, I haven't watched the video. Maybe the headline. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know if I can pull myself to watch that thing. So if you have watched it, let me know what you think. Tell me if I should watch it. I'm not going to watch it unless a lot of you tell me I should. Um, Oh, that just irritates me. All right, everybody, that's your daily financial news. I got a couple of things today. We got an 8 o'clock interview with someone doing uh, Airbnb. He's been on the channel before, so we're going to talk Airbnb at 8. 
And then I think I'm doing my Friday session with Ty, uh, talk about what's going on in the economy. So a couple of interviews uh, later today. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Take care. Um, God bless. Bye.